Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. I have, uh, I've had zero control of this, these two services, all right? They didn't tell me anything about it. I found out what went on actually in the first service, so... Um, but I was instructed that I only had 10 minutes to share today. The message. How many know that Jim can't share anything in 10 minutes? <laughs> I see those hands out there. So I said, okay, I'll go 15 because I'm a little bit rebellious. And so I, wa- I just want to share today in keeping with our series on the great divide. Um, you know, the challenges of God. Uh, and I want to use the 30-year anniversary. It's kind of a... A big piece of that as I share. If it's your first time here and you're going, what's going on in this place today? Well, it's not a normal service. And the way I'm going to preach today is not normal either because I have a short time and I hate just skimming through things, but I've got to just pick as I take a text that was part of this whole thing until they, and I stayed with the text until they informed me my time frames. So we're going to talk about you know, what, what, about this great divide when the challenge of God comes and how we can really divide within ourselves. Am I going to do what God says or am I not going to do what God says? So 30 years ago, and by the way, uh, I really apologize for all the fashion statements I made in those videos that you saw <laughs> and on social media, but at the time, it was really hip, okay? <laughs> and trust me, it's coming back one day again. <laughs> it always comes back. So um, 30 years ago, the church opened up on March 15, 1992. It was a great week because not only that week did the church open, but me and four family members, we were on, we, we, were, we taped the family feud. We won our first game, lost our second game, and it was aired two months later in March, the very week the church opened. So it was a great, great week that we were on family feud and the church opened. But this, uh, everything you see, everything you experience, all the campuses that we have and they're about to launch in Riverside, um, it was all part or a product of a challenge. I had spent uh, the month of November back in 1984 somewhere I got into my head that I should get into the bedroom at night and just turn off the light and just sit quiet before God and not say a word and just listen to what God was going to drop into my head and and God at one point spoke to me. And when I say spoke, I, I, for me, I never mean I heard some audible voice. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is our mind is Holy Spirit user friendly because the Spirit of God lives in us, right? So he can drop thoughts into our head and that's the way it works. And so he dropped the thought on my head and it was so vivid and I've had other vivid, vivid thoughts. But November of 1984, the thought came in so strongly, it said, you will be a senior pastor. Now, I wasn't even in full-time ministry. I wasn't looking for that. I never thought about that. It was nothing that I said, oh God, I want to be that. But that thought came into my mind, and from there I made decisions to go down that road to one day position myself for that, for that potential in my life. It didn't happen until eight years later in my life, but everything you see here uh, began with the challenge of just a thought, just a thought that God put into my little finite mind. And then, of course, we finally launched in March 15th of 1992, 22 
people were on the original launch team. That was it. How many of the original 22 are still here? Raise your hand if you're still here. Raise your hand so I can see some of you. Back there, they, they congregate together. There's four of them right there. <laughs> yeah. And there, so we, we launched this thing, and uh, they were a big piece of it. And uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have served, come alongside of us throughout the years to make it what it is. Some of you are watching from out of state. You, you've moved away. Some of the great ones have passed away. Uh, in our history of our church and I heard this statement 15 years ago and uh, I never forgot it because I can really relate to it and the statement went like this it said if you see a turtle on top of a fence post you know he had help getting there okay and that's I thought when I read that I go that's my life I've had plenty of help getting to where I was, where I am, and where I got to experience, and what I've seen happen in, in my life. So it was a big challenge, and I did take the challenge, scared out of my mind. Uh, so, um, but I want to talk about that today in, within the concept of the great divide. And so I'm going to skim through John 6. I want to pull a few verses. It's not the way I normally do it. When we get to John 6 in our verse-by-verse John Gospel of John studies on Tuesday, I'll just, I'll expound that thing to the end. But right now, I'm just going to skim over. So let me give you a little bit of introduction as I try to tie all these things together in the short time they've given me, okay? Jesus, at this moment in time, there are, there, there are throngs of people following him. They're just throngs. And they're following him, almost all of them are following him for all the wrong reasons, and the wrong reason is Jesus has multiplied bread. And so they're following and they're trying to trick him into getting more bread. It's really comical at one point what they're trying to do. Um, you see, they're following Jesus for what they can get from him. Now, one of the biggest dangers that we can do in our spiritual life is follow Jesus for what we can get from him. Because the danger is at some point, He's not going to give you what you expect him to give you. You're not going to get that. It's going to happen many times. Any amen on that? But if you live your faith and your relationship is, what's, what am I going to get from you? I'm going to tell you what I want and this is what I want to get. Then at some point when you don't get that, you're going to get out of the faith. You're going to get out of church. You're going to just get out of everything. And let me tell you, that's immature spirituality. Also, you take that put it in the context of any relationship like a marriage, if you live that way and you live in that relationship expecting them to give you what you want, it's a surefire way to blow that thing up. Am I right on that? Because that's an immature way to operate. You come into a marriage per se, you come in there to give of your life, to lay your life down. It's the same thing in our Christianity. And I'll tell single people here, if you're dating somebody, and that person, it's just what they can get from you, what they can get from you. One of my sayings that I used to do years ago, I'll do it right now. If that's the way that person is, football in my hand, you better what? Punt them right now, okay? Just punt them. Because you will live in misery. Because they will expect you to make them happy. And you can't make anybody happy, okay? Now, so, so they're coming along expecting to get stuff. And so Jesus, he knows this. They just want more bread. They're in the physical. Jesus is going to lay down a spiritual statement and a challenge. 
And this is where the great divide can happen. First verse, please. Here's what Jesus says. Just a nutshell of what he says. He says way more. He says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. Now, he's basically saying, you got to eat my flesh if you want eternal life. The next verse, he says, you got to drink my blood. Now, they start thinking he's pretty much lost his mind, okay? He's crazy, because they're looking at it from a physical dimension. Jesus is speaking spiritual. If I was there that day, I would think, Jesus, you're insane. You're crazy. But because I live 2,000 years after the fact, and I know that now Jesus is the God-man, we've seen that. I know that he came down, he took my sins on a cross, went to a cross, his blood was shed, he was brutalized, he died on that cross, he was buried, and he rose from the dead, showing us that he is the God-man, because I can see all those things now, looking back, I know what he's talking about. I know he's saying, I must partake of him. In fact, in that context of scripture, he will say, you must abide with me, you must dwell with me. And those of you in the Tuesday night study this last week, remember, when Jesus comes on the scene, two of John the Baptist's disciples Remember, they, they, one of which is John, the gospel writer, they start to follow Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, what do you seek? And they say, where are you staying? Where are you dwelling? And so the whole thing is about dwelling with God, personal relationship. So you understand that now when Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's not physical. They're thinking physical. The divides begin to happen. It's spiritual. You must partake of my life, dwell with me, and come into relation with me for the rest of your life. Does that make sense so far? So now this split starts to happen. The great divide happens in that crowd right there because he lays down the challenge. And there's always a challenge for all of us. So I'm going to give you two things and I'm going to drive it home at the end. They're very quick, um, like I said, time frame wise. But here's the first thing that happens in the response I did. Our first divide that we face like they did is the how can? Say, how can? how can? Say it again. How can? How can? Now watch, because they've heard the hard statement, they've heard the challenge, and they say, how can? Look at John 6, 52. It says, then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can? Say, how can? How can? So how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Like I said, I'd say the same thing that day. They're not understanding the spiritual versus the physical and how Jesus speaks. How can? Now, how this how can works in your life and my life is this. We read the scriptures, and I hope you do. And then you come, or you listen to messages, and I hope you do. And you read the scriptures, or you hear a message, and it challenges you on how to live your life, right? It, it points out, you know, you're not doing that right. Stop doing that. Start doing it. Anybody know what I mean? Or it's time for you to start doing this. Start doing it. You're not doing anything bad here, but just start doing what this says to do. And so we can see those things in the scripture or hear the message and say, well, how can I do that? How can I operate that way? How, how can I do these things? And some people, honestly, they will, any message that sounds, smells of, of that type of idea, they won't even hear that message. They'll just tune it out. Or you might even rip that page out of your Bible. Amen to that one right there? No, don't do that, okay? So how can, how can, how can? Now, Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, she, uh, she struggled with how can too because when the angel told her you're going to carry the Christ child her statement to the angel was how can this be for I'm a virgin remember that 
So she says, how can too? Now, we know that how is God's specialty, correct? We know that, but they're struggling with it, but we struggle with it in the scriptures. It says to do this, how can I do that? So now the divide begins to happen in that day. The multitude are dividing from Jesus, okay? You see that? Now, it moves from how can to point two. The second divide as it progresses is who can? Say who can. Okay, now watch the who can in this verse here. Verses. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a difficult statement. Who can? Say, who can? Who can listen to it? Now, but Jesus, conscience, conscious, that's always a hard word for me to say. I don't know. That his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? We'll get to that statement in a second. But notice they said, who can listen to this? The word listen is an interesting word. It means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, that you really hear what God is saying. Now, to give you a little bit more on that whole idea, the word obedience, a piece of that word is the idea of to really hear. That when God speaks, you really hear it because you're obeying what he says. Paul a New Testament writer who writes like 13 New Testament books. And remember, he hated Christians. His job was murder Christians, real historical figure. Then he has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ on that road that day in Acts chapter 9. Luke is the writer of Acts in the New Testament. So he becomes a Christian, and then the world has changed because of that man. Now, Luke will share more about that event in Acts 9 over in Acts 22. In Acts 22, he writes down that Paul added more to what happened back there. And Paul said, that day, when Jesus appeared to me, the resurrected Christ, here's what Paul said. That day, everyone saw the light, but no one understood the voice. Did you hear that? You see that, and also, in, moving to John 6, there are throngs of people following Jesus. Everyone there sees the light of the world walking amongst them, right? Everyone sees that. But Jesus is speaking, sharing these spiritual words, but no one really gets it, correct? And we can fall in that trap. I mean, we see him, but I don't really get what that is, or I'm not there. I, how can, who can? I'm not sure about that the way they were. And then they start to grumble. Did you catch that? Grumbling is a dangerous place to be, whether you're a Christian or not. Because in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 10, you're going to find that when they left Egypt, the Israelites, and they were traveling through that desert all those years, one of the reasons why they do not make it into the promised land, that we would say like they do not live God's best while we're on this side of the grave is because they grumbled and they never made it in they never got there grumbling is a surefire way to never experience the fullness of what God has for you you take it on a practical level you grumble about your, your spouse pretty soon you're going to think they're basically an idiot right and then you're going to grumble to people around you about them and pretty soon the devil's going to get in your head. Talk to you about, why am I, why did I ever marry this person? And then you forgot why you fell in love, because you're grumbling. You grumble at the job. 
You'll think it's the worst place in the world. And yet God says to be fruitful where I planted you while you're there. So grumbling will always keep us out of any promised land. It's one of the worst things that we can do as a human and especially as a Christian. God does not honor grumbling and complaining. You follow me so far? So these things are going on. And so there's a spiritual um, disconnect there with them. The divide's happening. Jesus now, he says in those verses, he says, does my statement cause you to stumble? And the word stumble that he uses, interesting word, it means to trip. It means to distrust. And so Jesus is saying, does my statement now trip you up? Does it cause you to distrust me? Because that's what's going on, because they're ready to walk away from this guy. Does that, what, what's going on? Is, is this what it's causing you now? <clears throat> Let me try to piece it together. Because they're thinking physical food, eat your flesh, and Jesus talking spiritual. So the divide, many are going to leave him that day. What's the problem? Listening, the in tune. Are you spiritually in tune with God? Are you really hearing? Otherwise, you'll divide. So let me take you back in time to an illustration some of us will understand, some of you will have no clue because we're older, okay? We, in my truck, I have Spotify. Anybody have Spotify? Oh, good, four of you. But anyway, <laughs> serious radio? That's pretty serious, right? Okay. So we have, we, we have music coming into our vehicles that way now. But before that, we had compact discs. Remember that? Please say you remember that, okay. And before that, we had cassettes. Remember that? Some of you in this room, just Google that, okay? So. <laughs> but before that, we had? HX. And uh, some of you in this room, really Google that, okay? <laughs> and we had four tracks too, but these eight tracks were these big tapes like this we put them in our eight track player it was the greatest it was the first time we could actually have our music that we wanted in our car with us and if you remember we'd put those eight tracks in and after a while they get a bit what we call in spanish wongo they get a little loose right and you start saying better run through the jungle and so you'd have to take a piece of cardboard or something and you'd slam it on the side remember that larry say yes we're the same age okay uh, Larry, come on, join me, do something. Larry's like, I don't remember that. Help him out there, Rich. Um, too much of that toilet paper roll in it, the old retreat, remember that? Um, but um, those are old, not from a long time. But, um, and so, fix that. Now, now, here's the thing. Before that, before 8-Tracks, we could never bring our own music in our car with us. We had our radio, remember that? And we had those five or six buttons, remember that? AMF, and please, tell me you remember that, okay. And so you'd program each button to your radio, to your, the stations you want. So we programmed that. Now here was the problem. You'd keep switching around to find a song you liked, right? And why is it that wives get to control the buttons? You know, what, what's up with that? But here you'd be driving, and some of you, you live in it. We struggled back then. Okay, This was one of our big trials. You'd be driving on a trip, and you're going out through the desert or somewhere, and the, ra the song you're listening to from that radio station, you're going to get to the point where their signal doesn't reach that far. Remember that? And when you get there, then some radio station out there where you're heading to, their signal now will, now you're intercepting that one. And so you got two radio signals at a certain juncture in time as you're driving. 
You have two songs playing on the same, at the same time. Anybody remember that? You'd be like, I'm driving down the road and it's like, it's a long way to the top. If you, I write the songs as at the whole <laughs> I go, wait a minute, I'm listening to ACDC and Barry Manilow butts in? <laughs> no offense to Barry Manilow fans, but I'm a rocker from the 60s and 70s, okay? So I'm not a Barry Manilow guy, I'm a rocker. And so... But you'd have these two different songs conversing at the same time. This noise, it's one or the other. That's the problem that day. There's noise. Who can listen to this? It's the noise of I want physical bread versus Jesus talking about spiritual bread. He's the bread of life that came down from heaven. That happens in our life now. That's the great divide. There's so much noise around us and we allow all that noise in. That's why I love backpacking so much. I get up there, you can't use the phone, nobody can call me. I can actually hear birds. I can hear the leaves rustling up in the high Sierras because we're deep in the high Sierras. You get rid of the noise. New beginnings is a result of getting rid of the noise. I sat in that bedroom that night for a month, no noise. And I just listened in my soul. And God popped those words in. You see, it's all the noise in our life that keeps us from the great, great challenge that God has for every one of us. For every one of us. It's not just for me. It's all of us. You say, well, I'm older. Don't matter how old you are, Caleb. Caleb in the Old Testament, when they get to the promised land, he's been fighting battles for 40 years. And you know what they tell him? He's 80 years old. And, he's, and they say, we're going to give you a vacation. Here's your options. A vacation cottage on the beach or this condo over here. And, he, and this is Jim Del Campo paraphrase. He says, I don't need no stinking vacation cottage on the beach. He says, I'm 80 years old. I'm as strong now when I left Egypt. And you see that hill over there? There's giants up on that hill. Give me that because I want to go fight some more giants. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. You keep serving God. You keep doing something for God. And watch God do what He's going to do. Now, so the divide's happening. And here's, everybody's going to split. But there's one guy that pops up in that story. Watch this. His name is Peter. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. They're all leaving now. Because this is a hard statement. It's a challenge. I can't tell you how many times over the years when you make a biblical statement, people leave the church. It's crazy. I'm thinking, grow up spiritually. You're not God. God is. They withdrew, and we're not walking with Him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, because either the guy's going to turn the world upside down. It's always the remnant, the few, that are going to turn the world upside down. He says, you do not want to go away also, do you? It's a good question, huh? You going to leave me too? And then Peter says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord. I like the word Lord there because he's saying, you're the Lord. I'm not running my life anymore. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Did you catch that? The crowd saying, how can, who can? Peter says, you can. 
Did you catch it? How can, who can, Peter says, you can. See, Peter will have an experience with Jesus in Caesarea Philippi up to the north, about 40, 50 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Maybe on 25 miles, probably. Not that far up. Otherwise, you'd be in Lebanon. But, um, and Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Because now they, it's got, it, these guys are going to change the world. You've got to decide here. And they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, etc., etc. Some say one of the prophets. And then Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say? And Peter says, thou art the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a game changer. Because Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It's not a physical thing, but my Father's in heaven. It's spiritual. You've discerned it, Peter. You get it. And he understood, it's you. It's you. Moses, when he stands at the burning bush at age 80, he was eager at age 40, but at age 80, he's like, not so eager anymore to serve God, huh? Which means the longer you don't serve God, the less eager you are to serve God. And Moses, God's saying, you're going to go back and deliver the people. This is the challenge of your life. And uh, Moses says, well, who should I say is sending me when they ask who you are? Who are you? And he says, I am that I am. I sent you. Jesus in the New Testament, when they asked him a question, he said, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus is the, the pre-incarnate Christ. Before he took flesh, is that burning bush. He's God. And so uh, that changes Moses. Okay, you are. See, Peter, Moses, if you're going to do anything for God, you got to settle it. Set, you surrender to God. God is who he says he is. You believe in him. It's not how can, who can. It's you can. It's you, Ken. Otherwise, we talk ourselves out of everything. And the kingdom of God doesn't advance. Okay, let me, let me finish it up here. So, um, I'm sitting there that night, March 14th, 1992. I'm one month shy of my 36th birthday. We have our last meeting of our core group of 22 people. Last throughout out in my house, I used to live on Auburndale Avenue right here. 922. And uh, they all went home. Because the next morning, this is it, we're opening up, we're launching. We sent out 35,000 mailers, uh, 30,000 mailers in the community. And I said, told Olivia, you know, and by the way, Olivia, whenever I told Olivia, I have to, God's telling me to do this, and she's always said, well, whatever God wants. She has never fought me one time. You know, she's quiet here, but at home she's not quiet. <laughs> Have any husbands found that to be true? Okay, yeah. But um, whatever you want, whatever God says. So I'm out in the back. I said, I got to go in the backyard. I got to talk to God one more time. So I'm in, the, in my backyard. It's dark and, and you know, you, you have this great divide. It's like this challenge. And on the one side, you're terrified. You're just terrified. How can? Who can? On the other side, you're thoroughly excited because you can. You can. And I'm out in my backyard and I'm talking to God. I said, God, I've left my job. I have a job. And I had a wife, two kids. Dylan wasn't born yet. I got a mortgage. I left everything. 
It's either you or it's not going to work. And one of the cool things is, Dylan wasn't born yet. But it's interesting that 30 years later, and I got three great kids, Dylan, 30 years later, is going to launch in Riverside. Isn't that interesting? 30 years later, we're going to send out 35,000 mailers out there in that community and begin that thing. And so I remember I said, okay, God, it's either you or it's nothing. I can't, I can't leave the state now. And I went to bed. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. We got there setting up because we set up and tore down for 13 years, 11 years at Auburndale, two years at Centennial before we got here. It was not an easy road. And uh, I remember that first Sunday, scared. And that Sunday, 253 adults and kids showed up. And that was incredible. But my, my thought was, well, I can get a crowd with all that. What's going to come back, right? That's the big deal. What's going to come back? So the next Sunday, 153 adults and kids came back. And I was, I was cool. Okay, I, thank God. Because if nobody came, the 22 people were serving, there'd be nobody, it'd be crickets out there, you know? I'm preaching to nobody. I'm preaching to those beautiful iron green chairs at St. Alberndale. And, uh, and that was a trip because summertime, the air would... T- break down there. It'd be so hot, we'd put fans up. I don't even know why anybody ever came back. But then our lowest Sunday we ever had. Do you remember the Landers earthquake in June of 1992? Anybody remember those Landers? They told everybody, oh, don't drive the freeways because, you know, it's going to have an earthquake. You're going to get swallowed up. You know, because you know the news. They love to scare you, right? And They don't extreme anything. <laughs> and that Sunday we had a hundred and funny story. That Sunday there was an aftershock and one of the guys on the setup team, when the aftershock happened, we're setting up, he went running out the side door. I just remembered that right now. It was fantastic. You know, because real faith, you know. But anyway. <laughs> but that Landers weekend, we had 128 adults and kids. That's the lowest we ever got to. And from there, we just started to build, 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 build. Over the years, here we are now. God sustained us through a pandemic. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, we're still only running about... 65% of what we used to in here. The rest of you watching at home, hey, God bless you. I just appreciate you, appreciate you. you keep financially giving. God sustained us. Our giving has gone up in a pandemic. I mean, how does that happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's about 450, anywhere 450 to 550 homes a week that watch the Sunday service. And, uh, and so God did it, you see? For all of us, and, and, and the whole idea is, from how can God, how can, to, to who can, to you can, it's you can. And one of the things I like to say since I have more time in this service, and I shared it with the young team, and don't you love that we have young people in, on our worship team? I just love that. Yeah. It, it's by design. It's by design. I have a very young staff. I mean, I could be grandfathered. Oh, that's, yeah, they're so young now. So could Pastor Eric, too, be grandfathered. But, <laughs> but I like to share this with people. This is last thought. When, um, when Jesus sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee, he says, you're going to go to the other side, which is a telltale sign that you're going to make it. But the storm hits, and it says 
it was an opposition, and they're probably halfway across the lake, and it's, it's bad. Because the winds come down through the Jordan Valley, coming down through Martin Harmon, and it just kicks it all up. And you can have massive waves in that Sea of Galilee. And they're out there, and they think they're going to die, and they're professional fishermen, guys. So it's a bad storm. Jesus comes by, you know, he's like walking on water. They think he's a ghost, because, you know, they're great people of faith. And then they realize it's him. And Peter, he makes the statement. He says, Lord, if it's you, let me come and walk on the water with you. And Jesus says, come on down. Like Price is right, come on down. Peter steps out of the boat. Can you imagine the first step? And he's saying, that's not possible. Really? God in the flesh can't make that happen? The creator of the entire universe can't make that happen? Are you kidding me? He can do whatever he wants to do. So Peter walks on water. And remember, it's big waves, it's wind. Of course, he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sing. And Jesus grabs him because Peter goes, Help! Shortest prayer in the whole Bible. Help. And then instantly, they're back in the boat. Sea is calm. But here's what I like to say about that. When he got back in the boat and the other 11 disciples who never asked, let me walk on the water. What do you think they asked Peter? What was it like? What do you think they said to each other? I wish I had asked. I missed my opportunity. See, for them, the other 11, walking on water, just a theory in their mind. Not for Peter. For Peter, it's an experience that he can build on and trust God in because he walked on water. So one thing I'm thankful for, that God gave me the guts to go, go for it because... Trusting God in a big decision, it's not a theory in my mind. It's an experience that I can build off of. You see, I'm grateful for the fact that, like it says in the book of Acts, uh, in third, chapter 13, it says of David, King David, David served the purpose of God in his own generation, then he fell asleep, then he died. In other words, he did what he was supposed to do in the generation of time which he was born, th then he died. So I'm thankful that, you know, one day we're all going to go that road. One day I'm going to be on my deathbed. And I'm just thankful that God gave me the opportunity that I had a little bit of guts amidst all my fears to, to do and to know that I, I did what I was supposed to do. Easy? No. Difficult. But God has been faithful the whole way. And you learn along the way that how can, who can, you can. You can. Never forget that. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. I hope we take this teaching and realize the things that I've held back on, whether it's serving in the church or, whatever, or obeying something in the scripture, we gotta just step up and do it. That you empower us to do these things. That you never leave us or forsake us. That you're right there walking on the water as we try to walk on the water too with you. Thank you, Lord, for 30 years. 30 years, how, where did that go? Where did it go? Thank you for a faithful wife that stood by me the whole way. For all the nights I came home so late, 12 and 14 hour days, and she had dinner waiting for me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for all the great servants throughout the years that supported me, backed me up in hard decisions. Thank you for all them. I'm the turtle. I'm the turtle on the fence post. 
And I appreciate what everybody's done, and I appreciate you, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm done. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.